Great, here we go then. Um, a new series, Forgotten Sayings. They're not so much sayings that you have completely forgotten, as in you can't remember them, but they're sayings that we easily forget when we try and see it worked out in our lives. And so as we go through these next weeks into Easter and beyond, we're going to take some of the things that Jesus said and and just reflect upon them and in a sense allow the truth of what Jesus uh, said to touch the way that we practice our lives, to touch the way that we uh, live together. The truth, Jesus said, will set you free. But it has a habit of really hacking you off before it sets you free. Because truth is truth, and the truth can be hard, it can be uncomfortable, it can uh, cause us uh, to um, uh, face realities in our own lives or in our community that uh, we find hard and difficult. But the encouragement is for us to push through uh, our initial response to the truth. If the truth was easy, we would do it all the time. So the encouragement is to push through our initial response to the truth in order to find the freedom that Jesus talks about that lies behind it. So today's saying that we can so easily forget in our lives is this one, just between the two of you. Is it possible to kill the feedback on those speakers or is it not that that's bothering me? All right, okay, tap. In, in a church community where we think only of our life and relationship together in terms of moments, so we're a church community on a Sunday, and then we're a church community on a small group night or a, when our missional community gathers just at those gathering points, then of course it matters how good those relationships are. But if we're to step out of that mode and to see our relationships as uh, um, involving the whole of our lives, our ordinary comings and goings, to see our relationships at a level that even if those meeting points didn't happen, we would still meet and relate and share and do life together, we begin to get an understanding as to why these words of Jesus today are so, so, so important. When we neglect them, it causes something to happen among us that over time it can be hard to pull back from. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. So let's pick it up in context. Matthew 18 and verse 15. Here we go. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So let's get the picture. Jesus is talking about what happens when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, someone wrongs you, causes you pain, when someone sins against you, the the whole thing. If your brother, Jesus, expected conflict, it didn't take him by surprise, it didn't catch him off guard, it almost could be written when your brother sins or your sister sins against you. And that was Jesus' reality. He knew that the community around him, made up of ordinary people, would, and indeed did, hurt him. They wronged him. They let him down. They caused him pain. They disappointed him. They annoyed him and frustrated him, and so on. Conflict was expected 
from Jesus' perspective. And conflict of itself is not necessarily a sign that something is wrong. It's a reminder, perhaps, that we are all wrong. When conflict happens, it's a reminder that we are all wrong rather than a sign that something particular is going wrong. Although, of course, in a sense, something particular is going wrong. Conflict is a reality. Jesus expected it, and so should we. So should we. If I haven't hurt you, offended you, disappointed you, let you down, failed you, upset you, annoyed you, got under your skin, then just give me a bit more time. Because it's only a question of time before that will happen. Not because I mean to or because I intend to, but because we're fallen and broken. Because I'm fallen and broken. Conflict is simply a reflection that we are alive. Someone would often remind me, who may be in this room this morning, I'm not sure. We're building with bananas, we're all a bit bent. And there's such a lot of truth in that simple phrase. What's crucial is not that when conflict comes, we throw our hands up in horror as if it was a total surprise and we are completely sidestepped by it. What is crucial is that when it comes, we handle it properly. And that's what Jesus is addressing in these verses. You see, sometimes in marriage, people say, there's no conflict here. They're either dead or lying. And by lying, I mean they're being dishonest about what they really feel. And there's a place of appropriateness about that sometimes, of course. But wherever there are two people coming together, there will be difficulty, there will be struggle, and there will be conflict. And in a sense, it's a good place to start because it's kind of reassuring. Because what tends to happen is that when we find ourselves in conflict with someone, we begin to think almost straight away, it's all gone wrong, rather than this is just normal. And perhaps if we thought it was just normal, rather than it's all going wrong, we might have the confidence and the ability to handle it a bit better than sometimes we find ourselves doing. So just for a minute, look at where this teaching is placed, because it helps uh, uh, us get our bearings, I think, as we go into it. Just before it, as Andrew pointed out earlier, we've got the parable of the lost sheep. When things are not resolved properly, people get lost. People drift from church or they drift in their faith. And often you can talk to people and and you trace their story back and it goes right the way back to someone said something that hurt them. Or the Sunday school teacher was cruel or mean. Or the minister was horrible to me. Or that church didn't care for me like I thought they should. And in that moment it's a relatively small thing but like a rudder, it begins to affect the direction in which we take our lives. And something very small can end up having a big significance. Little relationship things that don't get dealt with, I think, always grow. So little relationship things that don't get dealt with always find themselves 
growing. And if we don't handle relationships well, people get lost. It's interesting what it says, the 99, that one somehow was in the pen but, but left. It's a different perspective on uh, the way we've thought about the parable. And when things are not resolved, there's a little bit, a little, a little niggle, a little fire, a little something. And if it's left, it becomes often quite significant in people's lives. Okay, look at the other end, the, uh, beyond the story that we're looking at, the verses that we're looking at, and you get the, the story of the unmerciful servant, a parable that's all about forgiveness. If things are going to get resolved, then forgiveness must underpin everything. The foundation must be forgiveness. Grace must be the air that we breathe. Giving and receiving grace one for another so that together we can move on from the situation, the hurt, the conflict, the disappointment, whatever it is that we found ourselves in. So how do we deal with it? There'll there'll be nobody here who hasn't, at some point, been annoyed, hurt, or upset, or found themselves in conflict with somebody. This is not an outside-our-experience topic, is it? I don't think. Generally, that's happened to you. Anyone who's got through life thus far without any sense of conflict with anybody, you are on a totally different planet, if that's you, and we'd love to join you there somewhere. So all of us can think about situations right now. So it's a very real thing. And Jesus tackles it straight on. How does he instruct us? If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Firstly, have a private meeting. Have a private meeting. Notice how Jesus puts it. If an issue arises, you go. You go. Now, that's the first challenge. Remember, you're the one that feels hurt or grieved against. I'm not going to them. They wronged me. They hurt me. They need to say sorry to me. They need to come to me. I'm not going to them. They're the ones that have the problem. They're the ones that caused it. They need to leave their space, and they need to come and put it right with me. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, you go. But I'm not the one in the wrong. You go. Don't forget, I'm the one that was hurt here. You go. Notice what else Jesus says. Just between the two of you. In other words, you go by yourself. Ah, is he serious? Deadly. Serious. Most of us, when we've been wronged or hurt or snubbed, are bursting to tell someone else about it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? A few nervous giggles around the room. We want other people to know how hurt we feel. We want other people to know exactly how wrong, how much we've been sinned against, how unfair it's been, how badly we've been treated. And so it plays out in a myriad of Christian ways. We share it with our friends for their prayerful support. We share it with our small group because we need their wisdom and wise counsel. And I shared it with them anyway, but I just needed to make sure I wasn't overreacting. 
we share it with our work colleagues because at work it keeps distracting me and I thought if I shared it with them it would be better. We share it with the senior minister just because we think he ought to know how terrible the people are in his church and how badly I've been hurt by his church. His church. What we tend not to do is keep it just between the two of us. And it has a hugely detrimental effect on our community. It is, I think, my opinion that not doing this is the most detrimental thing that happens in our church community. And we're probably all guilty of it. And we all need to face this truth to become better people in Jesus' name. Because this is how it plays out. There are two people, and, and they have an issue, a conflict of some kind. All these, there are other people, imagine, lots of other people. This person feels a little bit in conflict with this person, and they want some prayer support. So they share it with this person and this person. What happens now? This person and this person have also got an issue with this person. You can't help it, can you? There's something between you now. The knowledge of it, the conversation has created a reality. This person also is feeling aggrieved with that person and he goes off and in the guise of wanting some counsel shares it with that person and that person. So now they have a problem with that person and they have a problem with that person. Or they, sorry, that way, going that way. And then after time, because often things don't get resolved very neatly, these people realize that these people are kind of in cahoots with these people, and they're in cahoots. So suddenly, these people have got a problem, and they were never, ever part of the original fallout. They had nothing to do with it, except they, unfortunately, got wind of it, were told about it, and now there's an issue going that way, which means there's also an issue going that way, and the same is true there, so there's an issue going that way, and there's one other issue which I can't quite see at the minute, because it's too complicated. Oh, that one, there's an issue going that way. So these poor people have got nothing to do with it. They're also caught up in an issue, because these two people didn't keep it to themselves. So you've now got nine relationships to fix. That's why ministers are so busy, because suddenly there's lots to do. It was only because he nicked his sweet. And now there's this whole third world war going on. And, and the longer the time goes on, if time is along the bottom, the greater the impact gets. It doesn't diminish over time, usually. It gets a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, and we keep adding to it over time. So why, if this is the scenario, that makes sense, doesn't it? You can see that happening in real life. Why, if that's the scenario, are we so bad at just dealing it with the two of us. Well, because we want to feel heard. It's a million times easier for this person to talk to this person and this person than it is to talk to that person, isn't it? And the reality is, in normal life, there are loads of people around here. And it's loads easier for this person to talk to that person, that person, that person, that person, and that person than it is to talk to that person. And so often, over time, what happens? They generally do. And so the scenario just gets a little bit worse as it gets played out. And we say things like, well, if I talk to them, it will probably make it worse. 
Like, that's not making it worse. If I talk to... I feel justified when I talk to others because they'll agree with me. What will blue one and blue two say? They'll go, oh, yes, it was terrible what they did to you. And you'll kind of feel a bit better about it. And you'll feel that like your arm is strengthened a little bit for the fight that it is now becoming when it was just a little disagreement. If I go, they might not listen to me. No, they might not. I might not be able to explain myself very clearly. No, you might not. But it might be an awful lot better than that. And so often we're happy to share with everybody else. But when it comes to talking to the actual person, we say, well, who, who am I to judge? I'm not their judge. But you've made yourself their judge by talking to all these other people anyway. And so we live with all these contradictions. Whatever the justification is, Jesus says, you go just between the two of you. It's hard, but it's nothing like as hard as that. Will it have difficulties attached to it? Absolutely. But nothing like the difficulties of dragging a whole community in to something that just began with those two. That play out destroys churches. I can take you to 50, hundreds of churches up and down the country where something started like that and it ended up like that and it took over the whole community. And the whole community is in a sense of conflict and no one can quite remember what the original issue was. But that doesn't make the conflict any less real and the tension between people any less of a reality. And it's flawed anyway because the issue always grows. Now sometimes people will come to me and they will, they will tell me about it because they want me to go and speak to the other person. And that whole process is totally flawed anyway, because I'll happily go and speak to the other person, but does that resolve the issue that you had with them? No, because the next time they rock up in a room, you know you've got to speak to them too, so you might just as well have done that in the first place. And it might feel like, well, I've, I've spoken to my small group leader, I've spoken to my missional community leader, and they agree with me. I've spoken to the minister, and he agrees with me. That just makes it harder to resolve. Are you with me? It makes it more loaded. makes it more confrontational. So Jesus says, hey, it's dead simple. Look, something's gone wrong. Something's not right. You don't want to end up lost. We've got the power of forgiveness. Don't want to end up lost on the way. We've got the power of forgiveness. For goodness sake, just the two of you, just go and try and sort it out. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't do that. I don't actually talk to other people. I keep it all inside here. And there's something noble about that, for sure. But almost inevitably, what we try and keep in here spills out. And you will have been in situations, so have I, when people will say, oh, I don't know what happened, I didn't mean to share all that with you. The moment you decided to leave it unresolved and keep it locked in your heart, you kind of did decide to share it with people. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will, will speak. There's kind of an inevitability about it. And we can excuse ourselves by saying, oh, it was just an accident, I didn't mean to say it. I just, what, what I, the reality is, as it remains unresolved, then the chances are it will spill out and we'll end ourselves back in a scenario like that anyway. A tiny little flame will always grow. It's a bit like you're closing the lounge door at night and you realize that a little corner of the rug is on fire. It's just the corner of the rug. I'll close the door and go to bed. 
And sometimes it's just a little bit. I'll close the door on that and try and move on. And actually, we all know in our heads, and it's hard to process in our hearts, but we all know in our heads that that is a flawed uh, approach. Go, private meeting. You go, just yourself. Chances are, it'll be way better than you imagine. Honestly, chances are, it'll be way better than you imagine. 99 times out of 100, people say to me, oh, if you go and speak to them, oh, dear me, it'd be absolutely awful. You know, they've got horns and pitchforks and stuff, and they'll, they'll stab you before you've got to the end of your first sentence. And it'll be 99.9% of the time. It's abs- now, there is the 0.1%. I'll give you that. So be on your guard. But almost overwhelmingly, if you go open-handed, honest and open seeking resolution, seeking things to be sorted out, the actual interaction between you is better than you think it will be. And Jesus says, great, if they listen, you've won them over, and you can both move on together, just between the two of you. I am staggered still about how many things in our community that I think should be just between the two of you seem to be between 10, 15, 20 of us. I think that's an issue for us as a church. And I think we need to heed what Jesus is saying here uh, for the sake of all our relationships and our sense of well-being. And and, and it's easy to say, well, we all know about it because we're all so caring. But there's a very fine line between that sense of being a caring community and, in fact, just allowing things to grow and not see them resolved. Sometimes, though, it doesn't resolve, and Jesus gives us another step, a personal meeting. If they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's not clear whether Jesus means the witness needed to have been a witness to the original wrong, if you see what I mean, or just someone to to share in the the, the conversation. Um, But if we keep with the principle that Jesus is applying, what Jesus is saying, as a next step, still, keep it small, keep it contained. Create the maximum possibility for a good and swift and easy resolution. It's easy to jump straight to this one. I'll skip out the going by myself, just between the two of us, and I'll get a few other of the heavyweights, and we'll all go together. That's a confrontation That's like you trying to prove your point rather than you seeking to create resolution and the platform of forgiveness that Jesus has been painting a bit later on. Now, of course, sometimes the private meeting, sorry, the personal meeting doesn't resolve either and Jesus makes room for uh, a public meeting where something gets dealt with in a more public and open forum. There is nothing more tragic than when this happens. Nothing more tragic or painful. Nothing really gets resolved. Everyone limps away. Everyone gets hurt. It's, um, in that sense, to be avoided. But Jesus says sometimes that's necessary. There's no other way out. The seriousness of what's gone on, the inability of the people to resolve what's happening at a private level or at a personal level. And the issue really is not whether, whether there's a public meeting or not. Issues like that become public. They spread like a cancer through a community. And that's sometimes more damaging than the public meeting itself. So in a sense, those are uh, kind of conversations for another time. The main thought this morning is Jesus says, you go, 
And it's just between the two of you. Just between the two of you. So if you go, what, what might that look like if you go? Well, a few thoughts very simply if you go. Number one, keep it simple. Sometimes when you've been nursing a hurt, you have more angles on the issue than I don't know what, than there are in an octagon or something. Because you've nursed it and you've rehearsed it and you're this, that, and you can see it from this side and you've got that point to make and this point and that point, the detail can be over, but keep it simple. No hiding of agendas either. So in that sense, keep it simple. May your language be straightforward and simple. This is the issue. You hurt me this way because. I'm sorry, but I was hurt by what you did. This is why it hurt me. It's simple. It's straightforward. Uh, Don't add in loads of extras. You know, sometimes when you're hurt, you think of other things that also hurt you that have nothing to do with the thing that was hurting you. That's just me. I don't think so. And you speak it out and you realize it's got nothing to do with this situation other than the only thing common about it is that they both caused you hurt. Well, leave all those other things to one side. You're just dealing with this one that's before you. So keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. Keep it kind. Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Keep it kind and keep it grace-filled. What are you going for? Are you you going because you want them to realize how much they've hurt you? Or are you going because you want them to be restored in relationship with you? Now, there's a world of difference between those two things. And sometimes, uh, and we'll see this a bit later in our series, sometimes we're so caught up in that I want them to see how much they've hurt me that we fail to get in touch with the reality that what I actually want, in the end what I want, is not that they know how much they've hurt me, but in the end I want this thing sorted out and restored. So keep it grace-filled, as well as simple, as well as kind. And just as a final thought, Remember your own plank. Remember that one that Jesus said, trying to get a speck out of someone else's eye and you've got a whacking great plank in your own? Almost inevitably, there will be perspectives that you are not seeing as clearly as you could. And there's some humility to be found in that position. There will be other perspectives that you cannot see. And what we can be so busy doing as we present our case and as we get our ducks lined up is we create such hard edges on our own perspective. It can become very difficult to see somebody else's. So it's simple really, isn't it? You go, I go, just between the two of you. Most of the time, it will end there. And Jesus says that's the way you protect a community and keep it working well and living strong. Let's pray.